Welcome to the Motorsports in Focus podcast. I'm your host, David Santiago, joined by my co-host and producer, Joe McKinney. Hope you enjoy. All right, this is take number three. Hopefully this one goes better than the first two. <laughs> if you're interested, you can listen all the way to the end for the bloopers uh, that Joe likes to put on. Anyway, we're back. Uh, not too much to talk about this week. We got Formula One, and Joe is back with us, obviously. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. I'm excited to talk about uh, the race and some of my observations and... Um, not not gonna be rants, but just talking points. Okay. So, all right. But uh, yeah, overall, we had the uh, Spa Belgian Grand Prix. What'd you think of the race overall? Uh, I don't I don't know if it's because of the amount of crap that I have going on right now between work and life, or if it was that it was a relatively uneventful race. But I have virtually no memory of it. Like, I was trying to think about it the other day. I watched it on either Monday evening or... No, I think I Sunday, Sunday evening. I think I watched it at night on Sunday, uh, just the replay. And I was trying to think back today. I'm like, I know we're going to talk about this. What happened? What <laughs> what went on? I had that same moment when I was writing up my notes. But uh, I think that's a pretty accurate conclusion. I like Spa. I mean... Uh, Spa's I guess... fantastic as a track. Um I, I sort of said it was a good race considering the result and the context of this season overall. Okay, so considering Max won. Yeah, and he's been winning were, all season. Yeah. It was an okay race. He did do a pretty damn good job about fighting through the field because he started, what, fifth or sixth, sixth or something like sixth, that? Sixth, I believe. Yeah. Um, made yeah. some good, quick moves early. Uh, also, made it look easy. set the record now for Red Bull dominance yes in formula one this is the most a team has ever won consecutively races yeah and to those that the doubters or or skeptics however you want to phrase it uh that are saying that max or that red bull just put that good of a car under max i mean perez had a very good race and max just walked him just decided no i'm done here i'm not playing games i think this is 60 to 70 percent max and 30 percent red bull yeah, this whole season I've been under the same impression of like, okay, it's the Red Bull, you know, it's just really dominant. But then we started to see Perez struggle, and this race just sealed it for me that Max is just in a class of his own. And I'm not the biggest Max fan, but he just, it, it seemed, like he, there's no competition for him right now, literally. At the at the very end of the race on the last lap, did you see him drift in the last yeah, corner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, how about the massive slide when it started to rain? I, oh, I, yeah, that was sketchy. Ahead, Threw a rouge? Yeah. Yeah, had and, a big moment. Yeah, I mean, most people poo themselves, Yeah, and all he did was jump on the radio and go, well, I almost lost it there. <laughs> <laughs> but even then, on the radio, he was joking around, and, yeah. you know, his engineer's like, hey, Max, we need to take it easy on this tire, and he's just like, well, you know, da 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 Then toward, toward the end of the race, uh, I think he even hinted, he's like, Oh, if you want, you know, we could just come in and change the tires if you guys want some pit stop practice. Yeah. Sort of hinting, like, if you want me to open up the gap so we could do a stop and still win I the heard race. about that, or I heard that as well, and was like, wow, that is some confidence, man. Yeah, I mean... I've never heard a driver make that statement before in no, my life. No, and... Only bad things can happen in a pit stop at that point. Yeah, and just the confidence he has in the car, just watching him drive, 
even if you just look at the onboard of Max versus the onboard of Perez, it he is just on another level. Do you also get the feeling with Max that if you put him in the Mercedes or in the Ferrari, that he is still the world championship leader this year? Yeah. After because this after I, this race, yes. That's what I get the feeling of. Yeah, because let's be real. Perez, if Max wasn't there, would Perez have still won the race? Maybe. But it's just maybe. Yeah. You know? Right. Which is... That says a lot about the pace that Max is. I'm. I am not. I am no longer certain that Red Bull has the best car in the grid. McLaren might be the best car in the grid. I just don't think that they have a driver that's close to Max. Yeah, McLaren was interesting this race, especially Lando. Uh, it felt bad for Piastri too. Sorry yeah, to... I, we'll get to that. I have some thoughts on that. that okay. Was an interesting incident, but Lando was <laughs> all the way down. I'm pretty sure in like last or second to last at one point, because apparently. The McLarens had a lot of downforce, and when it was dry, that didn't really help him, I guess. But he really fell down the order. And then we got a drizzle to light rain mid-race. They did. I don't even think they went on to... Did they go to wet tires? I, no. I don't think they even went to intermediates, did they? I don't remember seeing intermediates. I don't think so. But I also am worried that I'm getting... I have like images in my head of the sprint race and the normal race, and I feel like I'm getting them... Conflicted. Oh, what? by the way, there was a sprint race. Oh, was there? Yep. We'll just move on from there. Because um, <laughs> that's how I think everybody views these sprint races, to be honest. They were novel to start with. Yeah. And now they're just... Not novel. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the McLaren, with that downforce or whatever, that's what the announcer said, which is another topic. But... It, it was like watching the Peugeot at Le Mans in the rain just walk the or walk through the field. Then mm-hmm. Lando came. I think he came all the way back to P six at one point. He finished relatively high. I yeah, he was in I the points remember, again. Yeah. So kind of amazing. But yeah, the McLarens definitely have pace, and it seems like real pace after the last couple of races. Although I did find it interesting that their performance, again judging from what the announcer said, was based on their downforce kit for this race. It's almost like they were betting that it was going to rain. And so they went with a certain downforce package saying that, okay, we'll be really fast in the rain. It's spa. It's probably going to rain, but they didn't get enough rain to actually have a good result. I mean, I, I can see that Norris ended up finishing seventh, by the way. Seventh, okay. <clears throat> um, I can see that in some sense, because at the end of the day, spa generally, if it's going to rain, it 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 does rain like it's yeah. it's not it's it's kind of a yes or no it's an on or off switch at spa seemingly it's not a mm, we Maybe. might get some rain yeah. here there's you know there's some on this corner it's like uh, it's either a downpour or it's nothing like, yeah kind of like japan too seems to be that way as well um has been yeah yeah so uh just by the way to give everybody an idea with max he he did end up finishing 22.3 seconds ahead of perez that's wild I don't, I don't remember Same what car. the pilt, pit delta was, but I would assume if he wanted to, he could have pulled out a big enough gap and actually done mm-hmm. a pit stop. Oh, yeah, certainly. Which is, again, just wild, the way yeah. he came through the field. But, yeah, overall, the race wasn't too bad. I, we had a that incident in turn one, which involved Piastri. Uh, signs. And signs, yeah. Did you see what signs said afterwards? I didn't, no. Okay, because... I kind of wanted to talk about this because I think it's a Formula One thing. Every time there's an incident, and basically, as far as I know, it's just classified as a turn one incident, no action taken. 
It's just hey, yeah. They they decided no further investigation mid race. Yeah. However, Science move was pretty dumb. Oh, I agree. I I was surprised and disappointed in the fact that there was no further investigation. I I I didn't I didn't like that. I thought I thought that move was entirely on Signs. I thought that he completely closed the gap. I I know it's the responsibility of the driver behind to back out. You could tell Piastri was doing everything he could to back out of that corner. There was no further options for him to get like any harder on the brakes. He's probably locking up and hitting signs harder now. Well, that and you've I, got people behind. You don't want to back up the whole field. Yeah, I I, I thought I, I thought that signs gave Piastri absolutely zero room. Just acted as though I it was. I think it was Piastri's radio. He said he's like he acted like I wasn't even there. Oh, when you when and, you watch it back, that's exactly yeah. what it looks like. Yeah. So I, I thought it was Sainz's fault, and I'm a big Sainz fan. I mean, I was just talking a couple of weeks ago about how, how great I think he can be and how good of a driver he actually is. He made a mistake. I, that's yeah. entirely on him. I thought Piastri was totally justified being there in that corner. I mean, it's it's a tight corner. I get it. It's slow. But that's like three to four car wide tor- a corner. It's It regularly is. Stuff happens on the outside all the time. I don't blame him for choosing the inside and trying to hide in there. It's not often you get stuffed into the barrier on the inside. Yeah, it, Sainz's words were very ironic to me uh, when he was interviewed about it because he basically was like, oh, you know, it's another turn one incident at Spa. You know, these things always happen, and unfortunately it's because, you know, essentially he blamed Piastri for the move. He's like, I don't know what he was thinking there. That was like an optimistic move. And I was like, I'm like, okay, did I see something different? I literally went back and watched the incident again. Signs came from the opposite side of the track, mm-hmm. swung over, locked the brakes, okay, and then he was miles from Hamilton and diving straight to the yeah. like inside what, of the corner. What I saw in in Signs's move was that was the type of move you make when you have space on lap eight. Yeah, not on not turn on one, lap yeah. one. Yeah, and and. I also didn't get the feeling that, like, I get that all the drivers are trying to pass, right? I didn't get the feeling that that's where Piastri was trying to make his move. That no. was a setup move. It, it, this He's was just not trying a, to get through the corner. Yeah, this was not a dive for position. No. So I I don't... And Piastri didn't do anything. He was literally just going to take the corner. Yeah. And then Sainz is like, I don't know what kind of move that was. I'm like, yeah. it wasn't a move. Yeah, I, I disagree with that statement. I didn't see it, but I if, if that's what it was, I totally disagree with it because I, I just don't... I don't blame anybody in that scenario outside of signs. That's yeah. entirely on him. And uh, you know, it's and he it should have been penalized. I mean, it's it is a wrong ruling again by the FIA. That should have been a penalty. Well, yeah, just like all the uh, uh, track limits that they didn't call this race for some reason. What track limits? Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know. It's just another Formula One ism, basically. It's like, oh, we had a a turn one incident. We'll both make a big deal out of it and not do anything about it at the same time. Yes. And that is the Formula One way. Yeah, I don't understand it because I don't know how you, like, how do you move forward as a sport with any sort of, like, logical road for the drivers to follow, right? There's just, there's absolutely nothing. Like, they got to be sitting back going, I don't really know what's allowed and what's not allowed. I have no idea. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah, it was really silly. And unfortunately, it cost Piastri the race and signs. Yeah. So he took both of them out. Yeah, I'm I'm glad it ended up I, not it sounds bad, but I am glad it actually did ruin Signs' race because he deserved it. Like yeah. I said, I thought he made the wrong move. So if that's the case, I have no problem with him being penalized by the Formula One gods, if you will, that he couldn't yeah. finish the race. Yeah. But apparently like P 
Piastri's floor got smoked. I never saw any. Um, I I don't think it was the fo- from what he said. I I was reading a transcript of what he one of the interviews. So it's just bits, bits and pieces. I think that's what they were talking about mid race. So okay. if you saw something post race, then you'd have better knowledge. Yeah, post race, it sounded like the steering was jacked because he hit the inside wall, uh-huh. and then also there was uh, some aerodynamic damage. Basically, it's like, and and also right at the start of the race, it's like. He was not about to go through Rouge with the steering wheel, like, yeah. not straight. Fair. <laughs> One thing I do want to bring up, uh, and IndyCar here, pull out your, your notepads, by the way. Uh, Formula One, props to you guys for taking a very long lap and realizing that you don't need a safety car because you have about a minute and a half to pull this car in and get it out of the way of the barrier because everybody's grouped up together. Yeah. Well done, guys. Props to you. IndyCar, please take notes. You don't need a 38-lap caution flag <laughs> and a safety car and another safety car after that safety car to then open the pits for another safety car. But see, IndyCar doesn't care because they have that, that one rule that lets them do whatever they want whenever they want. This is true. So <laughs> I just, I like. I agree, though. It was nice. That was really well done, and it was really nice to see, and I watched so many other motorsports screw up cautions and safety cars and went, wow, all we did was just go right back to green flag when that car was definitely in a safety car location. Yeah. Like that, that should have pulled... That that pulls out a safety car in most other series. Maybe this is the uh, cynic in me, but I did notice that they panned the cameras away from that car when they did that, though. So I do wonder if there were still cars coming through and they just were like, hey, just we'll just not show it on TV and go have them get that car and pull it back. I don't think so, because, I mean, everybody was pretty bunched up from the start. There was not yeah. really any, like, crazy collisions on the outside or in the back or anything. It's I true. Th- it's true. I was just surprised they didn't show it. I was, too. I was suspicious. I was, too. But I we know- also did just complain about Sky Sports coverage last week. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that's another thing. Ago, the, uh, the coverage at the start of the race, I was actually kind of enjoying. There were some cool camera angles on the grid. Mm-hmm. Um, and just in general, the coverage felt good. And then the race started and it was just the same, same talk as usual. Yeah. And also I'm pretty sure, I think it was Ted Kravitz, Kravitz had another heart attack. Remember he had the heart attack when the photographers were walking in the pit lane and Mm -hmm. he thought one of the drivers was just going to mow them down for some reason. Right. Um, (laughs) I still think back to that and it's just funny to me as if the driver's just like, Oh no, there's people in front of me better not do anything. Um, the Dutch fans, obviously, or the Max fans, you know, were lighting off, like, uh, smoke grenades or flares or whatever. Yeah. As and, they do on yeah. every single race, every single year. And I swear to God, he saw that, and he's like, oh, I I wish they wouldn't do that in the grandstands. And I was just like, dude, it's it's yeah. it's just smoke. Every like, single time, <laughs> every single time Ted Gravitz chips in, I immediately just cry out for Will Buxton. I yes. just want Will Buxton back so badly yes. because no one brought more energy to Formula One without sounding fake. Yeah. Like, you, the, nothing could be happening the entire race. Will Buxton comes on and you're like, this is the best race that's ever existed. He somehow got you feeling that way. Every time Ted Kravitz comes on, I'm like, I feel like you're just blowing smoke up my ass. <laughs> like, the whole time. You're just like, I, I, ha- I cannot fit any more smoke. Like, what are you doing? It baffles me that somebody like that could get that job. And I'm not saying it's an easy job when we've no, discussed this before. But, but the problem is they have better options. Yeah. 
And like, I'm not even saying Will Buxton. They have better options options on their staff. I was like when they go to Anthony Davidson, it's so much better. Actually, I was gonna say the sprint race because I just watched the highlights. It's an eleven lap race, and it's we'll get into that later. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the announcers for that are better than the official ones during the main race. Who did they have for this one? I, I didn't don't. See. I don't remember who they are. Was it Karun Shandak and, and Anthony ha- Davidson? I'd have to check. It could be though, but. Just it was so nice to have people just talk about racing instead of just like people who imagine taking a hockey announcer and just plopping them in Formula One. They could do the job, but they don't know racing, mm-hmm. you know. And they'll probably get excited about things that aren't things that motorsports fans get yeah. excited about. And that's kind of what the group is now. Aside from uh, Martin Brundle, I I like Martin Brundle at times, but I think Martin Brundle's really good when he's with the right partner that's the thing is like because he's done a race or two with it might be anthony davidson i can't remember who it was offhand but there was a a race or two where crofty missed and and brundle actually wasn't too bad but the pair of them together is just it's a nightmare i just don't enjoy it in the least well they're at odds with each other most of the time i feel like brundle has to correct the other announcers constantly yes and they'll say something oh looks like he's got damage there and that's gonna do this and martin will be well actually you know it's it's probably just this. He'll be okay, uh, and they'll be able to take care of that later. Right. You know, and it's like, that's terrible for a broadcast because mm-hmm. you're taking the energy up, and then you're bringing it back down, and now it's like confusion. It's like, why do you even say that? Yeah. You know? Well, and you've said it before, too. There's no, like, small talk or anything like that that happens during the race that involves racing. It's yeah. it's just small talk about, like, having tea or something like that. Like, they get so English with it, <laughs> so English with it, and it's like, I, look, I don't have a problem with the English, but goodness gracious, like I, I am not English, therefore I don't need to follow every single thing you guys do. Yeah, <laughs> like, I just some announcers are great, like the guy we always forget his name, the uh, Scottish guy. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> Heindorf, I think it's Heindorf. Um, if he did Formula One, it'd be amazing. But yeah, I don't know. I, I had a problem with the broadcast in general, and then it's like Max takes the lead of the race, and we're like, and we've got a new race leader. It's Max Verstappen. And you're just like, come on, come on. And there's like a graphic on the screen. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. Please. Yeah, it's it's artificial excitement in a way. I mean, it, yeah. Well, it's just patronizing. It's like, I obviously, I I have eyeballs. I can see that there's been a lead change. Yeah. And, and I hate, you know, let's just, we can rant about this. I have a problem with big companies thinking that their customers are stupid because it's never the case. Like, I think everybody in the world, right, thinks everybody else are idiots. You know, you drive five minutes away from your house, I'm sure you'll call somebody an idiot, right? They're out there. But this idea that these big companies or media companies think that their viewers are stupid is just not true. You know, there might be people watching that don't know all the details behind a sport. One thing I do want to correct. I don't think they think you're stupid. I think they think they're smarter. That is true also. Yeah. A different way of looking at it, but both correct. Let's say that. Yeah. I, (laughs) but of all the things to explain, you don't need a graphic telling me that there was a lead change. Everybody who watches the sport, whether they know what's going on or don't know what's going on, knows when a lead change happens. Should, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if you don't, <laughs> why are you watching? Yeah. That's the main thing. It's like I can uh, look at a baseball game for five seconds and figure out who's winning yeah. or if somebody else is now winning. 
Yeah. You know, that's not I mean, the graphic it, I need. It, yeah, it's 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 the to, to stick with baseball. It would be the equivalent of like a hit occurs, right? Like you know what a hit looks. Yeah, and there's like, like a graphic on the huge, screen. Oh, one hit, <laughs> fireworks go off. Yeah, it just doesn't. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, and the announcers are like, "That was we've had a new hit in the game, or like whatever yeah. it is, you know, a new point has been scored." And you're just like, "Oh my god, please!" So it's a little bit of that, and just. Uh, I don't know, just in general. It's it's very frustrating. And I I don't know. It's I don't think it's gonna change either. I mean, unless we get a new crew of guys for next year, maybe. Oh, it, it won't change until the, the contract for the for the television network changes. Whose contract I mean, is it though? Is it the contract with ESPN or is it so a different ESPN, contract? ESPN They just broadcast what Sky Sports ESPN, is broadcasting. Disney, ABC, Sky are all the same company. I don't know who that's owns frightening. whom. I don't remember. But that's why you end up with... I think probably Disney owns them all. I think, that would make sense. I think they're the, the parent company. It could, if it's not I know Disney, they, the, it's ABC. But okay. it, does, it, it doesn't really matter other than the fact that they're all the same company. So what happens is when ESPN got the coverage here, they just said, Sky, you guys take over. You guys are already doing this. There's uh, the American market probably is not that big for us to sit here and worry about having different coverages and sending our own broadcasters, our own film crew, our own yeah. like they're not worried about that kind of crap. So they just give it to Sky, which is it fine. You know, like I don't have a problem with that idea. I just have a problem with the execution of it. And until that is solved, I, I mean, to be fair, I will say I. I do not like Crofty and Brundle better than the NBC crew that we've talked about before with Diffie and Hobbs and Matchett, right? I will watch. I would much rather ESPN continue the coverage without commercials than have commercials and Lee Diffie, Matchett, and Hobbs because watching the indie races are so frustrating, man. Like, yeah. It just drives me nuts. D- d- mid-race, good battle could be happening, and then bang, they're going to do the NBC drive-through or whatever, and they're going to just throw commercials on, put you on this like tiny little screen. They're like, look, guys, we're still giving you the coverage. It's like... I got no commentary and I can't see the damn thing because my 55 inch just went to a 12 inch. Like, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) So, yeah, I, I I appreciate that ESPN does the commercial free coverage. I can't stand the commentators. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but it's not going to change until ESPN loses the contract because there's no reason. Like, Brundle and and Crofty are beloved by most F1 fans. We are in the minority by saying that we don't like them. And it has nothing to do with the fact that they're English. There are plenty good English commentators or foreign commentators. You know, I don't don't want Townsend Bell doing Formula One. I think Townsend Bell is a very good commentator. I don't really have any interest in him and his input into Formula One. Yeah. We just need something that's less patronizing, I think, and not as... Bring back Paul Baresta, by the way. That's who I would love. Yeah, that would be nice. Because he was fantastic for a couple of years there. I, I just want them to talk about the racing exclusively and not try to talk about, like, some BS stat. And, and there are real stats that I care about, you know, but I hate the BS ones. Like, <laughs> they were doing the grid, and I don't remember who it was. It was like, oh, and so-and-so in fifth place. No one's ever run, won the race from this position. And you're just like, what? How? <laughs> Why do I care? <laughs> That's yeah. such an irrelevant stat. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. That's like saying no one from Poland has ever won this race. And you're like, okay, that yeah, I uh, no one Polish is in this race. This, yeah. this is totally irrelevant. Right. You know. Yeah. So that's what just I just want to see them talk about the race and talk about 
specifics of Formula One. I want to learn something about Formula One that I didn't know before when I watched the broadcast. Mm-hmm. Whether it's about the tech, the teams, the strategy, I, something. Do you also get the feeling that Crofty and Brundle could be very good if there was like a hiatus for a year or two? And they would come back being very good. Are they too stale because they've done so many consecutively and it's just like they are out of things to talk about? No, I, I think sort of like you mentioned, the Brundle with the people he's doing the commentary with, I think stifles his view of the race or his commentary of the race. I think he would have a lot more insightful things to say. But the whole time, because if you notice, like somebody does the start and then someone will fill in while somebody's like focusing on what's happening on the start. And I'm not sure who leads the conversations. It might be Crofty. It seems like it's Crofty most of the time. Then it Brundle. Generally, it generally is. That's t- how most yeah. sports are handled. Because Brundle's sort of the subject matter expert. He's like just kind of saying, this is what it is. That's this. This is this technical thing. But if you had another person in there who knew the technical stuff better, and could present it in a way that's simple and easy to understand. Because a lot of times, experts, they don't explain it well. So you need somebody like Lee Diffie, you know, just as somebody that I know, that can explain things in a way that's interesting and not totally in mm-hmm. the weeds, but also not oversimplified I, where it's stupid. It's interesting you bring up Lee Diffie, too, in that sense, because I, I do get the feeling that Lee Diffie actually walks around to pit crews, talks to them, tries to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Hey, what what happened with your car recently? Like, so on and so forth. I get the feeling Crofty doesn't do any of that. Well, I don't know how true that is, and I don't mean to disparage somebody without having a background knowledge of what they do in their job. But just, he he comes off with this, this arrogance in that he's a very good commentator. It's like, okay, yeah, play by play. You've got it figured out. There's no stutter in your speech. You're very smart. Like, that type of stuff. I get it. But... I don't think you're hitting the points you should be hitting throughout the race. I, I would say it, it could be a British thing because I have seen a lot of... I don't want to say a lot, but I have seen a decent amount of like social media posts, for example, of like British people talking about Formula One on like a podcast or something. And they're all very sensitive about the sport. And I think that comes from this like overall British cynical worldview in this like they're kind of they can be downers in a sense whereas like when you watch an american sport it's like let's get this race started and here we go you know it's like Mm -hmm. it's on this is happening it's a big deal who's gonna win yeah when i watch formula one with the crofty and these guys it feels like there's this this whiff of like blanket yeah endless wet blanket yeah and it's just like oh the sport is struggling like that's the that's the feel that i get and they're always yeah. talking about how it's trying to get better. And it's like, well, hold on. This is like the most popular motorsport in the world. It's yeah. doing just fine. Right. How exactly. about we treat it like it's doing just fine? Yeah. You know, and they th- everything they say is like, like, what have you talked about in the past? Where it's like, oh, we just had a pass. That's see who calls this sport boring. And you're just like, oh, come on, man. Yeah. Don't don't do that. Just talk about the racing. Just talk about what's happening in front of you. And why it yeah, matters, why least, it's important. Or at least dive into the history of, of various different things as well. Because like that's, that's something that drove me nuts a little bit. We just had Max and Red Bull break McLaren's record, right? Mm-hmm. If you're new to Formula One, who were the drivers for McLaren when they set that record? Yeah, exactly. Do you have any idea? No, what, what did no. the car look like? Nope. Did we get any extra images of nope. like, oh, this, by the way, was the car that they did it in? Like, it, They just went, oh, they broke McLaren's record from 92 to 93 or whatever the hell it yeah, was. That was it. Like, 
But even today, actually, now you, you got me thinking because when Max made the move for the lead today, we got the typical, well, we've got a new uh, race lead change. You know, the buildup to that should have been, you know, if, well, I guess Red Bull was already in the lead, but Max has won most of the races this year, if not. He hasn't won all of them, has he? No, I think Perez, Perez got one early. I can't remember what the sprint races. I think you're right. I think he did get one. I, one. I, sprint races don't exist. But they confuse me. I'm They're thinking back back to uh, uh, what's that street circuit with the castle? Azerbaijan? Yeah. That one, I think Perez won the sprint race. and But I can't remember what Perez won the actual Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Oh, he Grand did. Prix. Okay. Yep. See, I got them mixed up. But you'd think that would have been a bigger topic or theme this race. And we mentioned it the last race, too, where it wasn't really talked about. And I'm pretty sure on NBC, NBC used to reference the history of Formula One way more often. Oh, regularly. Yeah. yeah. There is no reference. When was the last time you saw a black and white photo on, on this guy's sports yeah. coverage? We would get like little uh, like five-minute videos about a historic thing that happened at that track or you know whatever it was, whatever was going on. And we get none of that now. Yeah. Which is... It's kind of nice when I do, like, when I watch indie, it's usually the replay, so I don't have to deal with the commercials, so that doesn't bug me as much. But it is nice when I see it on NBC again, and I'm like, oh, I like this coverage, because they actually talk about historical stuff, or, like, they'll mention, they'll go back and talk about a previous race or this other thing that happened at Indy or whatever track they're at. It's it's nice. Yeah, it adds I, context. I agree. It, it, exactly. It adds context, and it adds, like... Just having that historical knowledge is something valuable for everybody trying to get into the sport. Yeah. Because that's immediately how you feel like you're a part of the club, right? Yeah. Because that's the thing is when you go to jump into a new sport, if you don't have any idea what the history of the new sport is, you're really just, you're kind of a newbie. And then you go to talk to somebody and they're like, oh, so you don't even have any idea what happened yeah. like three years ago? It's like that, it's important to enlighten everybody with what happened from the race prior all the way back into the the very beginning of the sport. It's really, really important to do that, and I don't think Sky Sports does any of that. Yeah. Maybe they do it pre-race, post-race, and we don't watch any of it, but that's the point is there's a lot of people that watch just the race, and the fact that you don't do it at all in the middle of the race, granted there's no commercials, and you know they NBC usually tries to tuck that stuff in yeah. on like a coming back from commercial break or something. Yeah. But still, it's like... There is a lot of dead time during the race where you could go, look, guys, hey, this is just a quick clip. You don't even have to do a video. You could just be like, here's this image of this car and then have Crofty explain it. They did do a quick one, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, where they had three, I want to say it was three clips from previous races at Spa. But the commentary over those videos was just as we described earlier. Where it's like, oh, and this is uh, Michael Schumacher. Who can forget this back in uh, whatever year that was? And, yep, there's the move. Yep, that looked like a, an interesting uh, interesting move in the wet there. <laughs> you know, you're yeah. just like, what was that? Yeah, it's like they're watching it for the first time like, and trying to figure yeah, out what's going Yeah, you're just like, on. do you even care about this at all? They don't. <laughs> so it looks like Azerbaijan is the only race that Perez won this year, just to give you an idea. That's That's crazy. No, I'm sorry. He won Saudi Arabia as well. But Max finished second in both of those. Yeah. That, that checks out. Actually, no, I remember I, at least one of those races, I'm pretty sure Max had damage to the car. 
which is why uh, I think it was Azerbaijan. Yeah, maybe. But um, yeah, halfway through the season now, and uh, we got the summer break. And yeah, what is that? Four weeks or something? Something like that. Is and then that, the next I'm race is that. going to be Zandvoort. Ah, yes, Max's home race. <laughs> it is such a good track, too, man. It yeah. like I remember, um, uh, years ago when it was not on the calendar, and I kept telling you guys, like, I think you probably understood it, but our close friend group had no historical knowledge of Zandvoort. You had, would have seen it with your prior job seeing doing all this museum work right and seeing like okay that's that's this track right that is one of the coolest tracks in europe and the fact that it was not on the f1 calendar for so many years was miserable and then now it's like it's back on and i remember watching it when it first came back on i'm going oh it just feels right right like it's just a different track it doesn't feel like some made-up street circuit it doesn't feel like some garbage um some just Whatever Bahrain is, because that thing is yeah. The uh, modern circuits yeah. like Paul Ricard and yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. With thirty years of runoff, yeah. like they can't even measure it in length anymore. They just use time as a <laughs> measurement to figure out how far that goes. Like, Sound years, yes. like light years, yeah. but smaller. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like it, it was just so nice to get back there and be like, oh, this this is this is what we we want as racing fans it's a small track like it's tight and yeah. there's not a whole lot of passing but it's a really fun track to watch the formula one cars go around because they don't have any business going around it. but no. they do go around <laughs> yeah but that's what makes it exciting yeah and it is a cool track and it's a historical track which i'm a big fan of and i also thought watching the spa race was refreshing also because i was like ah a real racetrack yes this is really nice it's not like you said some random track like I mean the Hungara Ring's a legit track but it's not <clears throat> I'm biased towards historical stuff like wherever Formula 1 has run in the past when they go back there it just has so much more richness you, to it. I I have one track that stuck out in my head for a while that yeah. I would love for Formula 1 to revamp and get try to get it back to its former glory. Do you have anything in your in your head that pops up like that? Um, not right now, not instantly popping up in my head other than Sebring, just, it would be so cool. Um, so Hockenheim, I think needs to be, come back. It it needs to come back for yeah. one. Like it needs to be the German Grand Prix de- destination, right? Mm-hmm. I, like I understand Nürburgring Grand Prix. It's a shit track. It is. I, I just, I don't, I think as far as the track itself is concerned, it's not a good track. Yeah. Nürburgring as a whole, the actual. The Nordschleife. Yeah. Yeah. Or even the Suits Life, which is yeah. it's cool, too. It's yeah. different. But yeah. I, 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 I don't think they ran that very much. No. <laughs> My point is, I get that there's cool parts of Nürburgring. The Grand Prix circuit is it's not, not good. No. It's not good. No. That would be like looking at Le Mans going with the, uh, what, what do they call the, the Grand Prix circuit they have there? I can't the remember. The Bugatti circuit? Yeah. Yeah. You go, that's a good track. It's like, eh, no, that no. is not a good track. It's a track. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... I would love to see Hockenheim try to get back. I don't. I'm not saying do its former ten mile glory or whatever the hell it used to be, but there was a period of time where it was ridiculously fast, pretty dangerous, yeah. over the top. <clears throat> we can get back to that sort of feel at Hockenheim. Brings the history of Formula One, which has a long history there. That's the type of stuff that they need to be pushing towards. It's what they just did with Zandvoort. They did it with Imola not too long ago. Imola's back on the calendar now because that yep. was off the calendar ever since Senna's death. It's like the, you, you need to work to bring back those tracks because now it goes to what we were just talking about with commentary. 
you have something to talk about. Yeah. You have something to bring up. And there no, is no history. Like Azerbaijan's cool. It's a unique track, but there really isn't any history with it. No. I I could see there becoming history. It's it's worth staying at. Yeah. But you need the variety, right? You need tracks like Azerbaijan. You probably don't need tracks like the Saudi one, you know. You don't need as many as we have. I mean, yeah. you got Saudi, Bahrain Miami. is not that different. Miami is, yeah, kind of up there. Yeah. We'll see with Vegas. <laughs> I I am not looking forward to that race, man. When is that? It's, uh, I don't know, actually. Pull it up. It's not, obviously, we got the Dutch GP next, but that race is just going to be weird, I think, is the best way to describe it. Strange. November 16th through the 18th. God, that that just the outline of the track looks it's, terrible. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you know what? It, you know what it reminds me of actually. A blob. Now that I think about it, um, I want to say it was Project Gotham. If you played Xbox, you know what I'm talking about. Project, I had PGR two. I yeah, didn't have PGR. PGR three. I'm pretty sure there was a Vegas track, and it's really similar. Oh, really? To that uh, that layout. So conspiracy theory here. Who knows? I do remember driving it in the game, and it sucked. <laughs> well, it looks like they're going to remember driving it at the end of this year and going, that sucked. <laughs> it doesn't look very good. But... It's just going to be two DRS zones with a U-turn at the end. Pretty much. So, I mean, what? <sighs> at what point do we get to the F1 calendar where we have just two U-turns, one on each end, and two DRS zones? And it's not an oval. It's just an elongated... It'll be like, uh, there was a track like that, actually. I don't remember what you it was called. You remember the called. proposed Miami track over the bridge? I think that was that was pretty cool. Oh, and I, they I just love decided proposed no. things in general. Yeah. yeah. Proposed things are, are the best. Yeah. Like the New Jersey track and the New York track. I'm pretty sure there's been other tracks proposed in the U.S. Yeah. Just just somehow not any of the good tracks in the United yeah. States. <laughs> yeah. They were like, hey, what about this VIR place? That's pretty cool, right? It's already built. You don't yeah. have to. You don't have to do anything. You just show up. I'm pretty sure it's FIA certified as well. Don't they have uh, like WEC testing there or something? Or I don't know. The FIA has weird stuff because there's like, I think the problem with most U.S. tracks, although, I mean, if my, I don't know, it, the problem I think is more they have standards about like grandstands and all this. Just, just imagine like a, an organization like the FIA coming to your track and be like, oh. This is, you need uh, five bathrooms within this many feet of the grandstand, and you need this kind of parking that has to have this kind of accessibility, and and this location. The, the track organizer just like, oh yeah, no. I, trust me, I fully get it. Like that's. <clears throat> when do, you, people, do you have to do that for tournaments? Yeah. So when people, a um, little bit of insight, I'm a superintendent. So when people say like, oh, does your like people that don't know golf, do. do does your ho- your course host PGA Tour events? It's like, no, um, we're not really set up for it. Even if we had the length, which this our course doesn't quite have the length because the tour players have gotten so stupid long now. We have the length for like LPGA, could host an LPGA event, but we couldn't because of all of the logistics that go behind the merchandise tent, yeah. the food and beverage tent, the parking, the busing. Where are you putting the people over here? Where are you putting... Like, the amount of behind-the-scenes stuff that doesn't even involve the golf course in general is, like, could could the course that I'm at host an LPGA event? Does it have that quality, and would the players be happy? Yes, 
can it host it logistically? No. Yeah. And I would imagine there's a lot of that too with with some other tracks. You know, it's like could, could something like Sonoma host Formula One? Probably. Probably, as far as the track is concerned. Yeah. I don't see why not. Yeah. Could logistically they figure out where to put everybody? Can you fly there reasonably? How how far is it from the nearest airport? What's hotels like? like <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like Laguna. Like, I don't... Laguna has a pretty small area in terms of, like, where you could put trailers and hospitality tents and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. And also really not a lot of grandstand area either. But... You know, that's a perfect example of, like, you can have an IndyCar race there because IndyCars like IMSA, they show up with their truck and only a truck, and they just go racing. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. You know, where it's, it's I, not like the di- – it, the perfect example is if you go to Sebring, the 12-hour, because now they have the 1,000 miles of Sebring at the same time, and you see all the crap that the WEC brought with them. Like, the IMSA dudes just show up with a truck, and that's they're, they're, they're good to go. You go over to the WC, they got these tents built, and then opposite the tent, there's these, like, uh, ISO containers that are, like, offices, and then there's, like, this whole network of stuff, and you're just like, what is this? <laughs> I'm so confused. Where are the trucks? Are the trucks under these tents? Like, where did you put the trucks? That's crazy. Yeah. I would love to see Formula One at Laguna Seca. I feel like that'd be such a cool track for them. Yeah. I don't know if they could get through the corkscrew. I don't see why not. If IndyCar can do it, I would think Formula One can do it. Yeah, there might you. need to be minor car adjustments, but like it that could. would be a fun track. The kink, could you imagine the kink? Oh, I'd be flat, no question. Yeah, it would be, yeah. but it would be a blast to watch. It'd be an awesome track because I think Lagoon is a pretty balanced track. Um, you know, you got you want to talk about no DRS zones. What are you going to do? Like front straight, sort of. It, that would be the only place, really, or heading up to the corkscrew, which may I don't know oh, about God. that. Could you imagine the DRS shutting? <laughs> at, in, in You'd also get like three seconds of DRS. Yeah, that's would. not a long straightaway. Right. But yeah, DRS is another set. Also, I just want to—I I thought about it a little bit, and I was like, there wouldn't be trucks with there because they flew all the WC cars there. So maybe that's why they got that whole setup. Okay. Um, but yeah, DRS. Let's talk about DRS. We never talk about that. So can we talk about street circuits after? We can, yeah. Okay. We'll touch touch base on all of our usual topics. I <laughs> <laughs> just check them off the list. Uh, Get your bingo cards out. <laughs> so this race, I have to say, the first couple laps were fantastic in terms of the field being bunched together. I would say more so than uh, a lot of the other races this year. And then as soon as DRS was opened up, the field just, like, spread out. And I don't know if that's me just conflating the fact that longer in the race, the more spread out the field gets. Um, because or does that exacerbate the issue? Exactly. But it was just really nice in those first couple laps. You had some big names like Hamilton and, and all these other guys mixing it up. And they were actually having – and they were making moves. Mm-hmm. And they were following each other really close. Yeah. And I was like, wow, how bizarre. Without DRS, they're able to race. Very strange. Yeah, I I have a uh, a a fun thing for you guys to do next time you watch a Formula One race, which will obviously be quite a bit down the road because yeah. we have summer break. But yeah. uh, if you're bored and you want to go back and rewatch a Formula One race, just keep note of how many times you hear one of the announcers say "DRS train," <laughs> because it's a that, new thing. If that happens once, that's too often. Yeah, the whole point of DRS is to eliminate the idea of a train. It's to allow a driver to pass another car. Okay, so how is that a train? 
you know your system's faulty when you have a train of DRS. So you have just a whole bunch of cars going, I'm following that guy, I'm following that guy, I'm following that guy, I'm following that guy. They're all DRS down there. Maybe one guy gets passed. Maybe. But then they all pass him, and then all that guy does is go, I'm going to get back in the train. And then they just all pass each other. So you have this endless, we're going to pass down the straights. Yeah, that's so all that happened. pay attention next time to... DRS train because I hear it a lot and that is it, like that just magnifies the problem with DRS in general. Yeah, I and I'm not gonna hold back on these rants either because I think it's genuinely something that's holding the sport back at this point. I know we've had it for a while and it's sort of been fairly benign, but it's really gotten to the point now. At least maybe I'm just paying attention to it where. Like, we we just don't get to see battling at all. Well, it's like I said a couple of episodes ago. It's outlived its useful life. Yeah. Max Verstappen made the move for the race lead, coming from miles back, mm-hmm. opened up the DRS, just passed on the straight, and went about his business. Yeah. that That's how you want... Do you, is that really what we want? <laughs> I don't think so. I think we want it to be difficult to pass. Yes. I, we need to celebrate passing, not just go... Oh, somebody passed somebody. Here's a check mark, and I'm going to show all these check marks of passes that were made to my friend at the bar who doesn't like Formula One and be like, look at all the passing that happened. Yeah, exactly. I don't care. Yeah. You know, I'd rather see them just following each other, even if they start complaining about dirty air or whatever, because I'm sure yeah. they will no matter what. Even then, it's like at least they're pressuring the guy in front to maybe make a mistake. Right. We used to see that, and yeah. now it's just. Well, and, and all we've heard this year is how difficult these cars can be to drive. Mm-hmm. How they don't feel settled. None of them are. None of the drivers seem to be happy, especially when tires start to go off. Yeah. So if that's the case, and you don't have DRS, and now you're getting hounded by a driver behind you, guess what happens? Mistakes. Yep. Guess what creates entertainment? Mistakes. Exactly. So, and yeah, it's you're 100 percent correct in this. Yeah, it's just it's very frustrating, and it was really nice to watch those first couple laps where I was like, oh wow, it's like I'm watching normal racing. Mm-hmm. And I had this thought, I was like, is DRS the thing that is preventing me from really enjoying Formula One? I don't think it is entirely, but I think it's a very large component of it. I, I think it is too. I, I really do. And because even the passes you do see feel so fake. Hollow. Yeah, really hollow. And so then at the end of the race, you're like, I think it was a good race. So-and-so came from this position all the way to this position. Right. But he did that by passing everybody down the straight with DRS. Mm-hmm. So nothing really happened. No. Just really sad. Yeah. And, you know, you almost don't even get to experience the full breadth of all these different tracks either. You know, I don't understand. You know, there's stuff like Monaco where it's like, okay, Monaco, like, where are you realistically going to pass? It's it's a hard track to pass on. I get that. They're outliers. But a track like Spa, there's plenty of places to pass. Well, yeah, and here's the, here's the thing I think that... I don't know if you intended to bring it up, but it triggered my mind. On the the thing is, when you're watching something like Sebring, right, which is a great track with a good series that understands how to race there, we know what corners you can pass in. Mm-hmm. We know what, like, we know where to look out for, right? Okay, you can make a pass down the straight. Sure, that's fine. If you get yeah. a good exit, okay, yeah, I got it. Yeah. But you also know that there's an option to pass here. I... I legitimately don't know on most tracks throughout the F1 calendar where the passing zones are because right? the passing zones have just become the straights. And I don't think that that's really racing. I don't think that that's what Formula One ultimately wants to, to hang its hat on. That's not the, the, the type of racing that they're looking for. 
Yeah. Problem is, I think that's all they can do right now. Because they can't get rid of this damn thing. Not at least not right now, not mid season. Yeah. Which is kind of graph because why I mean, why couldn't you? You already disable it mid race because of a of a pit stop or something like that. Or a safety car rather. Yeah. So which I don't can you explain that to me? Why is it that we don't have for two or three laps after a safety car you don't have DRS enabled? What is the logic behind it? Why is it not enabled immediately at the start of the race? I, that's my, truly yeah. I don't I don't get that. I don't know what they're preventing or or I mean do they do they believe there's going to be more accidents with DRS? The only thing I can imagine is from a logistical background perspective of like keeping track of who opened their DRS and who was a second behind because maybe it gets complicated when the if field is bunched up. If that's the case, then they're just straight up lying to you. Yeah. I mean, as a fan, they're just lying to you because that you know damn well they all have the data on it. That's true. They have the tech to do that. So, I don't know. It, it, it's a stupid thing, and I guess it's not surprising that it has stupid rules attached to it. So, but yeah, I would, my guess is their excuse is going to be some safety thing. Um, After listening back to this episode, I feel like we're going to be like, so why do we watch Formula One? Because <laughs> <laughs> we still keep coming back to it. Well, that's a valid question. That's a good question. Because especially since earlier I said that the British guys are kind of, have they're like wet towels, right? So, so what makes us not that? I would say I love Formula One because of the cars. And I love it because of the history and everything. I think we are complaining about the racing most of the time, not because of the drivers, not because of the cars necessarily. Um, I think I most, don't think you can blame the cars right now. No, I think most of the time we're upset with the series in general and the way it's organized. Um, and I don't know. I guess you could view it as we're kind of we're being kind of a downer, but I think we're a downer for the right reasons. We're not just like, oh, see, isn't we're not trying to explain how exciting Formula One is. It's interesting. It's not exciting necessarily, right? Um, but I think that's true of all motorsports. So, uh, I don't know. How would you answer that question? Why do I keep watching Formula One? Yeah. Because as of right now, it is the pinnacle of of motorsport, right? It's the one thing where it has gravitas. It's the most unlimited of of any motorsport. It's it's which also, means that's it's the most prototyped vehicle, right? Like it's yeah. it's where technology is actually formulated for the most part. It's where the best drivers go. It's where the best engineers go. And that's a reason to watch it because naturally as a human, you want to watch the best people do the best things. Yeah. So that's it. I mean, that's really that's what the poll is. It's the same reason that a lot of people watch any other sport, you know, like people that are huge tennis fans, they're not watching the lower tiers of tennis. They watch the premier tennis. You watch PGA Tour. You watch the NHL. You watch the NFL, right? Like, if you're not – a perfect example is, I, I, like, I was born into college football because of literally the city that I was born into. That's just kind of how it comes along. There are a lot of people I know that are huge football fans, not born into that, and they watch the NFL, and the reasoning is, well, because – I the players are better in the NFL. The sport yeah. is better. Like it's just higher quality, right? I disagree as an entertainment value. I think college football is far superior to, to the NFL, but I realize that I'm more of an exception to the rule than the rule itself, because ultimately human nature is to want to watch the best. So 
that's why we continue to tune into Formula One. Because Formula One drivers leave Formula One and go to IndyCar. Yeah. Not the IndyCar drivers around. don't leave IndyCar to go to Formula One. Yeah. I <clears throat> And IndyCar, I would say, is definitively the second best series or second highest quality series of drivers slash teams, etc. Yeah. In the world. You know, for me, it's... I would also say that probably most of the sports that you watch aren't necessarily for excitement either. It's because you have some sort of affinity to those sports, whatever the reason might be. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's kind of the same thing with F- F1. It's I like motorsports uh, as a whole. I like attending events. I like everything that goes with it. And so to watch Formula One, you're sort of just being involved in the whole yeah, industry is the wrong word, but just the that scene in general. Mm-hmm. And it's not I like I don't tune in to get entertained necessarily. I just want to see what happens, which I guess is a form of entertainment. But it's it's not like I don't sit there and go entertain me Formula One. Yeah, <laughs> as you're sitting in your lounge yeah, chair I, with gra- eating grapes. And it's more like is Red Bull going to win another race, or how is McLaren going to do with these upgrades? You know, I'm interested in the result, um, and that's why I watch. And I'd say. You have to be critical, just like I've been critical in the past of the WEC for various reasons, because of all the rules and stuff that they did where we basically had Toyota driving alone in the prototype class. But you know what? It's not that this year, and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so I think you have to call stuff out when it's bogus. And in Formula One right now, I think the DRS and all the the way it's presented at times is bogus. So I think it's yeah. important to call that stuff out. I agree. I agree, and I and that isn't to say that I think that the racing itself isn't better than it was several years ago when Hamilton and Mercedes were just dominating because they were dominating by a lot. Like yeah, like lapping the field. Yes, we are not like as dominant as Max has been, and the fact that he's now set the F one record for wins is a bit odd, considering that you would think Hamilton probably should have done that when he was in a Mercedes car. They just weren't as reliable. The thing is, the, the yeah. Red Bull is reliable. It's not breaking down, and then Max is still the fastest. That's but, true. But it's like it is still a more enter- there. There is a shot in the back of your mind that Max could. It. It's easy to say that you don't believe this now because of how many consecutive races he's won. But it, there is at the beginning of every race, you go. You know, the Red Bull's not that much faster than the rest of the field. There's a chance somebody jumps up and bites him, right? That was never said no. during, what, years two, three, four? Because I think year one of the Mercedes World Championship dominance was... Williams was pretty close there yeah. for a little while. And then two, three, four, five, it, it was just like... dominated. It, oh, it wasn't close. Like, it just was not close. The only reason somebody else won the race was because Rosberg ran into Hamilton, Hamilton <laughs> ran into Rosberg, or the cars exploded. <laughs> that was so, it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, it just... That didn't... That certainly didn't create good racing. So I think that Formula One is in a better place than it was five to ten years ago. That doesn't mean that it's fixed and that there isn't still critiques to be made. Yeah. And they yeah. did a good job of listening to their fans, saying, look, guys, we want, we all want closer racing. We want to be able to watch these cars follow each other. We recognize that that's a problem. The drivers have said it. We see it now after the drivers have said it. Can you fix this? And look what they did. They fixed it. They do follow yeah. better. 
Oh, absolutely. They were following. I took. I took. I took a picture, which is useless now, but I was gonna show it to you. But at the beginning of this race, well, if they turn their subtitles on, they can see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you do that now, you'll you'll be able to see the yeah. picture that I'm holding. It will be in black and white, though. Yeah, just be aware. Uh, the cars were just stacked in those first couple laps, mm-hmm. like really stacked. Yeah, up, I noticed I that as well, especially going down the the straight post a rouge. That's yeah. where you really started to see. It's like they're going past all these grandstands. You're like. Man, those fans got to watch legitimately 20 <laughs> F1 cars. Well, not, no, 19 F1 yeah, cars because Piastri was still yeah. down in the wall back there from signs. Uh, but <laughs> 19 F1 cars go just whizzing by. It's like, that's cool, man. That's like that's a NASCAR experience, yeah. right? Like, that's what fans want to see. And it was for a couple laps like that yeah. until DRS got enabled. Yeah. And, and before that happened, you still had the top five guys sort of stringing out. But behind that, they were... They were packed. Yeah, um, which is is interesting. You know, maybe it's just that that I forget what law it's called, where it's like those top one percent guys are just gonna be those top one percent guys. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, you're gonna see that in Indy Formula One, no matter what, um, no matter how fair it is, somebody's gonna dominate like Max. And uh, but I don't know. It was just it was it was nice. So I don't know. That's my rant about. Uh, DRS and how it's stupid. It is. It's stupid. Nobody's I, not not to force words into your mouth, but that's it, that is the description it, for it. It's one it's of those stupid. things. You know when you meet someone, let you call them stupid. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's say you meet someone who is into Formula One. You've never talked to them before. Yep. Can you imagine what are the odds that that person goes? I love DRS. I'm so glad the sport has DRS. I can't even. I can't really fathom that. Because I can't imagine it, yeah. someone saying that. Yeah, it, it's one of those weird things that it's true. Everybody knows it's true, and yet it's still here. Yep. Like, isn't that weird? Yeah, it it is. <laughs> it is. I I got no explanation for it. Yeah. It's hot so, garbage. That's it, what it is. It is hot garbage. DRS. It's stupid. Yeah. And street circuits suck. Yeah. <laughs> Should we get on that rant? No. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see how Nashville... I'm actually interested in Nashville. I think they drive across the bridge. They do. Uh, in Nashville. Yeah. So yeah. I'm interested to see that. I have not been to Nashville. I know my family has been multiple times. Kentucky's awesome. Nashville's in Tennessee. I meant Tennessee. <laughs> Kentucky is awesome, though. They're both awesome. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean... Also in the same general Yeah, it, it is. It's that... As an American, I reserve my right to screw up geography. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I'm also, uh, like, not that not that that's a particularly difficult one to get, but, like, I love geography, man. I'm okay. like, I'm a nut, so, yeah. But, um... Sorry to correct you on the podcast. Yeah. No, no, fair. <laughs> I But, no, we've driven through there a couple times. It's beautiful. It is. It Every is. time it's we drive through, we're like, so how much are houses here? Right. And they're pretty reasonable, actually. Yeah. Yep. But... Well, and and Tennessee is a is a hot state right now. I don't know how hot Kentucky is. Maybe there is a Nashville, Kentucky. I don't know, man. Maybe. In which case, <laughs> if I corrected you, <laughs> now I'm the douche. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah. Anyway, let's end it there. Uh, we actually we made a good good ways through that for uh, just talking about Formula One. Yeah, getting ranty. Yeah, that's what we're good at. Yeah, exactly. So uh, thanks for listening. If you made it this far. Uh, We'll see you next time, and uh, stick around for those bloopers because they were pretty funny. Uh, If you want to follow us, it's Motorsports in Focus uh, on Instagram, Facebook, and 
X. I think it's called X now. Used to be Twitter. Whatever Elon's doing, check it out. Thanks. I, no one seems to know what it is. <laughs> I don't think Elon knows. Every podcast I've listened to, it's the exact same thing. But anyway, sorry to kill yeah. your closer. All yeah. right. Thanks. See you next time. All right. Welcome back. Uh, we don't have too much to talk about this week, actually. Um, so this is going to be a short one. <coughs> right? <laughs> <coughs> All right, and we are back. Uh, not too eventful this weekend, but we got some good Formula One stuff to talk about, but it is going to be a quick one. But, Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, actually. I'm excited to talk about this race. There's a lot of interesting things to talk about. Not Nothing huge, really, but okay. just interesting. I'm curious where things. you're going. Yeah. Um, so those who don't know... Oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> 